We are in Genesis, so you should have outline on the table, pens to assist if you need one. We don't furnish Bibles, but hopefully you bring your own, either uh, in print or electronically, one or the other. And so we're going to start today where we left off last week, and that is with chapter 13 in uh, Genesis as we talk about Abram and Lot. And first will be a separation followed by a rescue. So two chapters are devoted now um, almost exclusively to Abram and Lot. It's chapters 13 and 14. When we get to chapter 15, again, a very pivotal chapter in the book of Genesis. So if you're going to miss, don't miss next week. Be sure you're here. That, that's an important week. Uh, don't, want, don't want you to miss that. Okay, let's bow for prayer and... Then we will get started. We started, by the way, on June, on January 24th. I personally think we're making great progress. I, I, I get barbs from time to time about how slow we're going. But George, bless George's heart, he was he's going to miss the next two weeks because he's going on the mission trip to Uganda. He's very concerned we're going to finish Genesis while he's in Uganda. <laughs> I promised him that wouldn't happen. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, beautiful day and the good food. Use it to strengthen our bodies. Thank you for good, sweet fellowship around the tables. And now today as we resume our study of Genesis, I pray that uh, you would speak to us from your precious and powerful word. Instruct us and may we take some things with us today that will... Uh, help us as we seek to live for you. Father, thank you for uh, everyone who's here. Again, I, I'm grateful for each one. Pray your blessing upon each one and their families. And uh, may we continue to be a reflection of the love of Christ as we go about our activities of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter 13, Abram and Lot. So the first chapter, verse 13 is about the separation of Abram from Lot. Now remember, Abram has, is, is returning from Egypt with everything he's got, which is now a lot. He has a lot of possessions and a lot of people with him. None of them are his children. That is yet to come. But relatives and folks who volunteered to join with him and others maybe not volunteering, to join but are there so lots of uh, lots of folks so we're, we're going to start with verse 1 chapter 13 and what I'm going to do with this chapter is read the whole thing and then we'll talk about it we'll divvy up chapter 14 but let's read all of chapter 13 so here we go so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev desert with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him Remember, Lot's his nephew. Lot's father died. Lot was taken in by Abram. And so they've been together ever since. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. Remember the first altar in the promised land built by Abram to worship God was where he is now. He's come back there again. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot 
who was moving about with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. It's not enough grassland for all of them. And if they couldn't stay together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. Of course, what was the observation we made last week about that? That's never good news. Ever, 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 ever in the scriptures. Never good news when the ites of the land make themselves known. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. Now, I want you to notice the incredible, magnanimous heart of Abram. He's the patriarch. He's the one to whom the promises have been given. He's the elder and the uncle of, of Lot. He has every right to say, hey, bud, I'll take what I want and you take what's left. But that's not what he does. Notice the magnanimous heart of Abram. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right... I'll go to the left. Lot looked around. Now we find some revelation of his heart. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, Abram had gone down to Egypt because there was food, the well watered plains near the Nile River. Now he's coming back, having been booted by Pharaoh. We don't have time to visit that. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. Do you remember, this is just a little aside thrown in for whatever it's worth, you can't have a cup of coffee on this, but do you remember early, early, early in Genesis, we said whenever it says they went to the east, what is that? That's bad. That's negative. It always is. Every time you see it appearing in Genesis. So here's yet another current. Lot's going toward the east. And if you know what's coming, you know that turns out to be a negative thing. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and we're sinning greatly against the Lord. And we'll get more of that as we go along. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. <clears throat> so Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Now, we'll stop there and let's talk about chapter 13 for a few moments. In Verses 1 and 2, Abram has departed from Egypt, no longer able to stay. Remember the act of deception on the part of Abram in regard to, to Pharaoh and in regard to his wife, Sarah. 
So Abram is booted. He's left Egypt, but he doesn't leave Egypt the same way he came in, meaning he takes more than he brought in. He is wealthy. This foreshadows a future departure from Egypt when the children of Israel will leave Egypt and they also will be what? Very wealthy. Very wealthy as they leave the land of Egypt. But that's for another book and another day. Now, in verses 3 and 4, Abram goes back to Bethel where he had first called on the name of the Lord, makes a sacrifice, worships, and Lot is with him. Now, remember last week we talked about the building of those altars and the worship and the sacrifice that took place at the altars. And our observation was, A, it's very, very private, or B, it is very, very public. Which is it? It's very, very public. So the Perizzites and the Canaanites and all the others were able to see what is happening as Abram offers sacrifice, not done in a closet, not done quietly or in seclusion. It's open. They observe. They see this man is worshiping the one he calls the one true living God. And so that happens at Bethel where he had first called on the name of the Lord and first worshiped him there. Now, Lot's still with him. This journey is part of the process of putting the sin of Egypt behind him. What he did there, his uh, apparent lack of trust in God is behind him. And he's renewing his walk with God. Now remember, we see every biblical character, every biblical character, we see them warts and all. Warts and all. The only one without warts is Jesus. All the others, we see their imperfection, we see their sin, we see their lack of trust, we see their failures, we see it with Abraham. What an incredible man of faith. Absolutely sensational, incredible amount of faith that Abram had. Beginning with when God said, get your stuff and go from Ur of Chaldees. And Abram was kind of wondering, okay, where are we going to go? And God said, I'll show you, just go. And Abram, who to this point had been a worshiper of what? The moon. He'd been a moon worshiper, raised in that environment. He hears the voice of the one true living God and he obeys. Phenomenal as we unfold the life of Abram and read about him again in the Faith Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. So here he is, left Egypt, back to Bethel. Worships God again in this place. And verse 2 says, Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Now, a little interesting little tidbit. Look back at chapter 12, verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. The word for severe is the same word as is used in verse 2 to, to call very wealthy or very or what it literally means in the Hebrew text is heavy. So in chapter 12 verse 10 the famine was heavy. Really heavy. 
on, on the land. The famine was heavy. Now we come to chapter 13, verse 2. Abram is heavy in wealth. How about that? What a turnaround. What a contrast. Heavy is the famine. Heavy is his great wealth. And we come to chapter 13, verse, verse 2. I find that to be an interesting um, comparison of, of the same word. So we read this story of success with the knowledge of what happened in Egypt. And in Bethel, Abram renews his spiritual connection with God. Maybe you've had a time in your life when there's been a, a service, a worship service at church or a Bible service or a camp service or something somewhere and you renewed your walk with, with the Lord. Maybe the things weren't what they should have been. You kind of fallen away a little bit. And, and so you made things right with God and it was a, it's a time you'll never forget. A time of great refreshing for your soul. That's what happened here, Abram comes back to Bethel again. He offers a sacrifice to God. He worships kind of like a Baptist altar call and a rededication of his life to God. Sort of what it's, what it's like. A fresh start. A time of worship for Abram. But we come to verses 5 through 7 and we find there's a test. There is a test for Abram. Abram and Lot have both prospered. Lot because of Abram. Abram because of the predetermined will of God. So Abram and Lot have both prospered. And Lot owes everything to Abram. In fact, what, what as you as you read um, as you read about Lot in Genesis, what, what kind of what's sort of your opinion of Lot? Uh, you see what he does here in picking the land. We know he goes and he builds this he establishes his home outside the gates of Sodom and we read about Sodom and the next thing you know he's living in Sodom and uh, but it gets rescued in there we're going to get to that in a minute and then God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and Abram pleads and you know the rest of the story is there anywhere in there that you get a really really favorable picture of Lot I mean does he look like one of the heroes of the faith but listen to this verse in 2 Peter chapter 7. Chapter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 2. If it were not for this verse, we might have a, a kind of a negative picture of Lot. But here's what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. If God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, comma, a righteous man, comma, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. Well, I, well excuse me, Lot. I, I mean, I do. I, I take that and I have a better picture of Lot. That lets me know something's in his heart that maybe didn't totally emerge from everything that we read in the, in, in the book of Genesis. But here, we don't get a real positive look at, at Lot. In fact, he looks pretty selfish, doesn't he? Pretty selfish and self-centered. The irony of the problem faced by Abram here is that the problem here is a result of prosperity. Uh, 
not of poverty, but it's a challenge of prosperity. Need produces a poverty of spirit that often reaches up for help and, and out to one another, to help one another. But prosperity, if not careful, can form a wedge, and it did here. It forms a wedge that had bad downside to it if it had continued between Abram and Lot. So Abram's first time at Bethel, he's tested by famine. His second time at Bethel, he's tested by prosperity. Isn't that, isn't that ironic, the, the, the juxtaposition of those two? Now, in verses 8 and 9, we see Abram's generosity. We see the generosity. I just so admire his heart. And the heart of Abram just emerges more and more. We get a better and better picture of him the farther we go into Genesis. Abram takes the initiative. He's a good leader and a godly man. He takes the initiative. He doesn't wait and let it play out. He doesn't wait until his men and Lot's men are fighting each other with swords and stones and whatever. He takes the initiative. He didn't want to quarrel with his family. He, he loves Lot. He, he and Sarah had taken him in when Lot's dad passed away. And Abram could have demanded supremacy because of his age and his stature and the fact that he's the patriarch, he could have demanded supremacy, but he didn't. He's selfish, self, selfless, and generous. And I, I'm just, again, more and more amazed at Abram the farther we go. By faith, Abram ascended to the heights of grace and generosity. He believed God. Now, he knows the promise. I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to give you children. And they're going to be as numerous as the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. Abram believes that. And he knew that God would bless even if he gives away a significant part of that land and the richest part of that land to Lot. Abram's not worried. God will keep his promise. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be filled with grace. And I'm not worried in the least because God's made a promise and he will keep it. In there somewhere is a lesson for us, isn't there? About grace and about generosity and knowing that God will bless, that God will honor, that God will keep, that God will provide, that God will meet our needs. When we do the right thing, led by the Holy Spirit, then we can trust God. He'll take care of the rest of the story. Now, geography is not a barrier to what God wants to do. When we truly believe God, we have no need to fear man. And I think Abram learned a lot in Egypt. And so we see a result of some of that spiritual journey making itself known here in this chapter. So, verses 10 through 13, there is a parting of ways between Lot and Abram. It is not permanent. Because when we get to chapter 14, we're going to see these two guys back together again, temporarily, 
but we'll wait till we get there. Lot had his eyes on one thing. He had his eyes on one thing. It is a four-letter word that starts with M. So that rules out money. <laughs> M-O-N. Yep, that's not. It's the word more. M-O-R-E. Lot has his eyes on more. And he looks and he says, I'll have more if I go there. And I take the land that's, you know, come on, Lot, give me a break. This is, you owe a lot to Abram. Why don't you take your, your uncle into consideration here? His eyes are just on more, not on his uncle. So he chooses the lush land and he moves. And where does he end up living? Outside the gates of Sodom. This will not end up going well for Lot and his family. So there is a parting, and then verses 14 through 17, God speaks. You know, you can almost, we let your mind just picture this. There goes Lot, his family, his herds, they're going off, you know, Abram's waving goodbye, they're heading out. The dust, the dust has kicked up as all those sheep and donkeys and camels and their cattle, and they're all heading off. So here's Abram. And don't feel sorry for him. I mean, you know, he's a rich man. But here's Abram. They're all heading out there. What was in Abram's heart? I, I don't know. Was there a poignancy? Is it a tough moment for him? He loved his nephew, seeing him go away. And then God speaks. I can just picture Abram standing there watching this part of his family as they leave. And then God speaks. Maybe Abram really needed that moment. And God speaks in that moment. And Abram was able from the high ground where he was to see a lot of the land. He could look to the north and he could see all the way to Mount Hermon. Highest spot in Israel. Which <laughs> they didn't have this then, but today Mount Hermon is a ski resort in the winter. Uh, it's, a, it's quite astonishing to, to, if you go there in the winter and you're driving all through this desert area and you look up and see people skiing down the mountain. just like, what in the world is that? Well, he could look to the north and he sees Mount Hermon. He could look to, to, um, to, to, to the south and he could see the Dead Sea and the hills of Hebron all to the south. He could look to the east and see the Jordan River and he could look to the west and see all the way to the Mediterranean. Unbelievable! On the high ground on a clear day, what you what you can see, you can see the whole, almost the whole Bible, right there. So he he's looks around, he sees it all, and God says, "It's all yours forever. I'm giving it all to you unconditionally and forever. This is yours." So he, he's going to bless him with a. A, a people, and God says, your offspring, Abram, will be like the dust uh, of the seashore, the, the, the dust of the sand on the seashore. Um, later, he'll say, look up at the stars, and that's, that's can you count them? Well, that's your, your seed, going to be like that. So think now, Abraham, Abram, we'll call him Abraham pretty soon, Abram can look down, or look up and be reminded of the promise of God. Either way. 
you're going to become a great nation. And your wife, who at this moment remains barren, through you and her, I'm going to make a great people. And Abram believes God. So he challenged, God says, walk the land. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you own a few acres. I, some of you I know do. And maybe you've walked it and you know, just want to make sure. Or maybe you ride a horse or you get on a four-wheeler. Or maybe you ride like a truck. I don't know. But you, you go over your land and everything's okay. It looks good. And fences are okay. And so God says to Abram, walk it. Walk it. It's all yours. I don't know how much of it he really covered on foot. Now, he could see it, but when you actually walk it, that's pretty hefty endeavor. He may have, he may have walked a lot of it. He may have walked it all. I don't know. But wherever you put your sandals, it's yours. And your seed forever. And, and the walking of the land was symbolic of an act of acquisition. Except Abram didn't have to pay anything for the acquisition. He believed because he saw the unseen. Now, he settled at Hebron and built an altar and worshiped God again. Uh, it's very difficult to go to Hebron these days. Um, in, in the Palestinian territory, it's very difficult. It's not, really not safe, so most tour groups don't get to go there anymore. Maybe someday that'll change. I've been there previous years, back in the past, uh, two or three times. It's, a, it's, an, it's amazing. The, the tombs of the patriarchs, there's where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried. And uh, Jacob's well, and, and all kinds of, it's just, a, uh, it's just incredible, an incredible place to be. And that's where he settled, and he worshiped God again. In front of everybody who lived there. No secrets. He worships the one true living God. Now we come to chapter 14. And Abram rescues Lot. Now I want to give a little introduction. And then we'll stop. We don't even have time to read the verses. Um, if Just let your eyes kind of scan verses 1 through 7. See all those big words? I would gladly welcome a volunteer to read that next week. <laughs> if anybody wants to do that, let me know. And uh, I'll be happy for you to do that while I stand aside and clear my throat. Uh, at, the end of verse, at the end of chapter 13, uh, with Lot living near but outside of Sodom. Sodom. So we discover in this chapter 14, ominously... That by the time we get to chapter 14, verse 12, Lot has moved into Sodom. So he was outside, then he went into Sodom and lived there. I believe that's a picture of the effect of sin on our lives. We get close, perhaps drawn by the lure, but trying not to jump in. We get close. Next thing we know, we're right in the big middle of it. It's kind of like, um, how many of you got grandkids? That's a whole bunch of this group. 
It's like when you're at the swimming pool with your grandkids and you know they want to push you in. <laughs> so what is the wise thing to do? Stay as far away from the edge of the water as you possibly can. Because you know if you go close, you're going to end up in. So stay back. Lot got close, a little closer, and the next thing you know, he's right in the big middle of the water or a place called Sodom. And we'll see what the result of that was for him and for his family. And we'll pick that up next week in chapter 14, verse 1. Father, thank you for the example of the faith of Abram. Father, thank you that like him, we can place our faith and our trust in you and know that you will keep every promise that you've made to us in your word. Bless us as we go from this room this afternoon. Bring us together again next Wednesday. Thank you again for the sweet fellowship that we've enjoyed together. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next time.